You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Election College, Episode 220, Sarah Polk. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Uh, lots of tragedy. 1800s, first ladies. Sarah Polk, though? I mean, her husband didn't live too much longer after his presidency. Not very long at all. But she went on to live a pretty long life. It's like there's a lot of tragedy to do with lives in the early 1800s, and late 1800s in general. Really anything in the 1800s, it's pretty likely you're going to die somehow early. But yeah, she beat the odds. Yeah, I think everybody who was born in the 1800s is gone now. Yeah. Isn't it? I think, think that's right. I think yep. so. Man, that's crazy. It is crazy. At least I anybody th- we know of, anybody documented. Yeah. I knew people who were born in the 1800s and alas, they're gone. And that wasn't that crazy to know somebody that was that old. Right. Anyway, you you see what I did there? I kind of it's kind of like a good movie. I gave away the end. Was that, and now we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. That was all strategy on your part. It wasn't. It's just because now that we've been doing this 220 times, plus the dozens of times that we tried recording and, I don't know, I got nervous or something, <laughs> and it didn't work out. Go figure. Here we are. So <laughs> Sarah Childress, that was her name because she wasn't born James's wife. That would be a problem. That would be creepy weird. So she was born... Uh, as Sarah Childress in the year 1803. Her dad was Joel. He was a planter, merchant, and land speculator. And then her mom was Elizabeth. Uh, Sarah was the third of six kids. And much like many other wealthy young women, she was very well educated. She attended the Moravians Salem Academy in Winston-Salem, which then I have never been to the historic Salem area. I know. That's a tragedy. Me either. The Moravians are this whole culture that I would love to learn more Mm -hmm. about, but I guess I digress because we're a presidential kind of history. I don't know what we are anymore. We're talking about first ladies. This has nothing to do with elections. Well, I mean, it does in the sense that 
people who got elected or didn't get elected. A lot of them had wives, and they became first ladies at some point. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Wow. I was about to say, I don't know this whole election college thing. <laughs> it's a farce. Just... <laughs> we sit on thrones of lies. <laughs> well, anyway, she attended the Moravian Salem Academy, and get this, the Moravians, you know, they were a pretty devout religious sect. They were all about getting women educated. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. It's one of the few places where kind of higher education was available to anybody who wasn't a white man in the early 1800s. So she had that opportunity there and definitely took advantage of it. She met James Polk before he was president, and they were actually both in Tennessee, and she was about 12 years old. He was 19 years old, and they were down there going for some schooling. And uh, a couple years later, James was like, hey, want to go out? And uh, apparently she said yes. And Andrew Jackson, uh, Andy Jack, as we all well know his name is by now, actually was like pretty gung-ho about Sarah. He told James that she was, quote, wealthy, pretty, ambitious, and intelligent. And dude, you should marry her. So uh, you'll notice that wealthy came first before uh, anything else, but then pretty <laughs> even came before ambitious or intelligent. But hey, I mean, that's Andy Jack. Yeah. What do you expect? It reminds me of a country song. It goes, she's got her daddy's money, her mama's good looks, more laughs than a stack of comic books, a wild imagination, college education, add it all up. It's a deadly combination. She's a good bass fisher, a dynamite <laughs> kisser, country than a turnip green, more country than a turnip green. Yeah. I, mean, I think I think as exactly long as I'm quoting it like that, um, yeah, that's what Angie Jack was saying. That's right. Is it bad that I know the lyrics to that song? I don't know if it's bad, but I have less respect for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, 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 man, it's just a great song. Yeah, I suppose. Lord, if you got any miracles handy, maybe you can grant me one. I, I Okay, just, I'll, I'll stop. We'll we'll let this one slide, but next time it's gonna it's gonna come out of your paycheck. Crap. <laughs> in 1823, Sarah and James get engaged, and just the beginning of the next year, they get married. And so Sarah's about 20 years old, and James is about 28 years old at this point, and they get married at Sarah's parents' plantation. Yeah, it's funny how you know a decade. Well, eight years makes such a big difference because, you know, 19 and 12, that's totally creeper. It, it works out. Right. Though, not creepy at all. Yeah. So they didn't have any kids, but their nephew, or I should say his nephew, right? Uh, Marshall Tate Polk was raised in their house kind of like a son. And it's interesting to note that after uh, James Polk was president, and after he passed away, Mrs. Polk took on the role of mother to her niece, Sarah Polk Jedden. Kind of admirable. There you, yeah. So Sarah, we know from uh, pictures that we have of her and also descriptions by, you know, when, when you don't have the luxury of television and a lot of uh, pictures and stuff like that, you go somewhere, you meet people, you document everything that happens. And actually, that's how we know a lot of the things that happen, like at different 
president's homes or at the White House is that people would get invited to parties or whatever, and they would describe in vivid detail like everything that went on and everything everybody was wearing and what they looked like. But all that to say, we know that Sarah, from a combination of pictures and written things, uh, was pretty tall. And she had black hair. She uh, was kind of a not dark skinned, but darker than white skinned. And uh, she always kind of uh, frowned, but it was really just because she was tightening her lips up and had kind of larger teeth. So everybody kind of thought she looked beautiful, but also very serious and stern and uh, kind of intimidating. Yeah. And some of you will probably be thinking of initials to describe uh, what that appearance is, but that's totally sexist. (laughs) So... Speaking of sexism, because I think that if Sarah Polk were alive today, she would probably be a rock star first lady that would be very well recognized in the media as being, well, a very trusted advisor to the Mm -hmm. president. And that's exactly what she was. The people who were close to the presidency, close to Washington, D.C. life and all that went in there, they, they got it. They saw Sarah Polk and they were like, yep, she is the one who she's got the political brains. And she did everything from helping uh, James with his speeches and was like, hey, buddy, this is what you need to do. I think this whole manifest destiny thing is probably (laughs) an idea that you should ascribe to. And maybe maybe you should listen to me for once. And James was like, yes, ma'am. And he did. And he probably is the, how do we describe this? The presidency, we've talked about this before, but he's probably the most influential president that nobody remembers. Oh, that's definitely, yeah, that's definitely true. Well, I can't say definitely true, but it's certainly true in my case, at least, uh, that I often forget he existed and he did a lot of stuff. You ever notice that when, I don't know if you get very many license plates from Iowa in Western PA, but... Here in Cincinnati, we do see a good number of Iowa license plates, and I always see Polk County, and that must be a really yeah. big county, or that must just be where everybody in it's, Iowa lives. It's everybody in Iowa hates, or everybody in Polk County hates living there, so they always have to come to Northern Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, Polk County people, I just wanted to say hi to you, <laughs> and I saw your car. <laughs> so, Sarah loves all the duties that come along with being the First Lady. Uh, she, you know, she likes doing the parties. She likes getting dressed up. She likes inviting people over and having, uh, things to do. She also liked getting into the middle of stuff. Apparently, uh, before James was president, she was around whenever the whole petticoat affair was happening or the Eaton affair, whichever you prefer. And, you know, totally dismissed Peggy Eaton out of hand. And, uh, Jackson's like, Hey, uh, this isn't. This isn't okay. And she was one of the kind of instigators in that whole mess of things. So anyway, fast forward a few years. She's the first lady or the 11th first lady. And uh, everybody likes her. She's a great conversationalist. She's, like I said, good at parties and planning and stuff like that. And uh, she's going to be an asset to President Polk. Yeah. And when President Polk was like, man, I'm going to work hard and just dive into the duties of president. She's like, Hey dude, chill out. You need your health. You need to take care of yourself first because if you 
don't have a good physical disposition and you're not energetic, well, then you're not going to do anyone any good. So he's like, yes, ma'am. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end. That's the end of the yeah. episode. No. So it's kind of funny, Jason, because, you know, she had the reputation and, and we still know her as having a reputation of throwing good parties and stuff like that. But we talked about her upbringing in kind of a religious area and uh, she's also known to have been a pretty devout Presbyterian. And if we know anything about Presbyterians, I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of times we hear nicknames thrown around like the Frozen Chosen because they're they're very stern and uptight and that's not always the case of course that's a very wide uh reaching stereotype but they were known at this time for being against things like dancing and cards and liquor and stuff like that so sarah actually outlawed or not outlawed but banned dancing and card games and liquor and wouldn't go to horse races or go to the theater with anybody uh, especially her husband during that time and she even showed up to the inaugural ball and was like, great, I'm here at the ball. I'm not dancing. Sorry. Uh, you guys want to come over for Thanksgiving? That's fine. We'll do the Thanksgiving thing. But don't think you're going to have any booze in this house because that's not happening and we're not playing cards. Yeah. Hey, Ben, did you know Grandma, she wouldn't – She, I don't think she came down hard on us if she knew that we played cards, but – she didn't have any cards in the house. Yeah, I know. Um, I remember there's two instances in my life where I got in trouble for uh, having cards. Not really in trouble, but and I never knew why. Like I, I didn't understand because I was you know nine or ten years old. But one time I, I loved like stupid little magic tricks, and so we had just gone to like a new church, and I tried to show some people at the church, and they were older people, uh, a magic trick, and they were like, you have cards in the church? How dare you? And oh, the, other, the other time was with grandma. She was just like, hey, why do you, what are you doing with cards? And I was like, I'm doing magic tricks. And she's like, well, how are you doing magic tricks? And I was like, I, I don't know. I read this little book, and it told me how to do them. And she goes, okay, well, you can show me. And then she never said anything to me more about it, but I always remember her asking, like, in a very strange way, like, what's up with those, what are you doing with cards? Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, what Ben isn't telling you is that after that, he went out and smoked a cigar with Grandma. <laughs> yeah. No, we we drank a we drank a fifth of whiskey and <laughs> <laughs> that that did not happen. We, you also have to realize our Grandma was born in what twenty eight nineteen twenty three is that right twenty nine somewhere in there nineteen twenties so yeah she saw some stuff yeah lots of stuff it's crazy she actually grew up in southern kentucky and experienced a lot of crazy things back during the depression and uh how does that apply to the podcast well just know Cards. that <laughs> yeah and it's kind of the same culture probably that the polks i mean the polks were a little bit more uppity and you had the plantation lifestyle and things like that but the whole Scottish Irish thing kind of kind of running through the blood of of all these people, and it's kind of a little link there. Definitely, but yeah, our family was definitely not wealthy, and kind of kind of worked on the railroad and stuff like that. Anyway, <laughs> I, you know, it is kind of it's kind of like you're all gathering around the kitty table and we're just chatting. So Thanksgiving and no dancing. No cards, and 
this was a very different atmosphere in the executive mansion because Julia Tyler, you know. Oh man, yeah. Setun scandal, you know, she she was a scandalous woman who appeared in an advertisement in her <laughs> youth. And she had these crazy parties that, you know, people were you know, doing the doing the dancing thing. <laughs> Dance Party USA 1840s <laughs> edition. Um, do you remember Dance Party? No. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh man, USA Network. Dance Party USA, and it was just people. It was like American Bandstand is probably more famous, but yeah, man, it sounds sounds great. It was, it was. You just have to. I, I bet on YouTube if you you're painting a riveting YouTuber, picture. <laughs> it's just people dancing in a room, and the camera is panning across. You know, and people are getting down. Uh huh. Like, like Soul Train. Yeah, but Soul Train was a lot better. Yeah. Anyway, so Julia Tyler, Julia Dance Party USA Tyler, you know, was youth youthful and had all kinds of crazy things going on, uh, like booze and dancing. Well, Sarah Polk, no. And as a matter of fact, they gave her, they being the establishment, gave her the nickname Sahara Sarah. Because everybody knows in the Sahara, they don't dance. That's right. Or have wine, apparently. And there's a, you know, kind of some people who said, yeah, there was never wine at the White House when Sarah was around. But then there are some other people who were like, yeah, I remember there being like a ton of wine and we had six different wine glasses and stuff like that. So it, who knows? It could have been a varying thing. And maybe it was depending on who was coming over, et cetera. Who knows? But anyway, after Zachary Taylor gets inaugurated, who is the James Polk successor. James and Sarah go by horse and carriage back to Polk Place in Nashville, Tennessee. And only a few months later, James dies. And uh, thus is the shortest retirement of any U.S. president. So the government's like, yeah, um, you probably are going to need a way to survive for the rest of your life because that's what happens. So here's a yearly pension of $5,000. Yeah, so she's living there at Polk Place and, well, as we all know, about a decade and a half, not even a decade and a half, right? Uh, Civil War breaks out and there she is in Tennessee. But Polk Place was kind of a refuge in the midst of all of the craziness. Um, She was officially neutral, which is the stance that any former first lady of the United States probably would and should take, especially if she's going to collect that pension money. Right. (laughs) Uh, She did have some family who did fight in the Confederate army, uh, but union commanders like uh, George Henry Thomas and Grant and William Tecumseh Sherman uh, stopped by and they probably had tea and crumpets and probably not booze something yeah so sarah lived at polk place for 42 years and until the day she died she wore black because she was officially in mourning over her husband yeah she died at age 87 in 1891 and was buried in nashville at first and then later they took them to the both bodies to the tennessee state capitol and there she lays at rest 
Yeah, it's crazy about Polk Place because some have said that she just kind of let the place fall into disrepair. It was torn down by a developer like maybe two years after. I can't remember exactly how many years it was, but not soon after she passed away, uh, developers were like, okay, this place needs to go. And so they took Polk's body, James Polk's body and her body and transported them over. And their bodies have been on tour ever since because, well, right now they're buried at the Tennessee state Capitol, like Ben said, but there is talk and the Tennessee state legislature approved a measure that would enable the bodies to be moved to the James K. Polk historic site, which was actually where he lived well before he was president. His dad actually built that house and they want him there because they're like, hey, this might help tourism. Yeah, he belongs there probably in their minds and hey, maybe in some others. Why don't you let us know what you think? Where do you think James Polk and Sarah Polk should be laid to rest permanently? You could do that over on our social media channels. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are places you can find us if just look for Election College. Hey, and if you really love your cousins, <laughs> can we say that? Because we are all cousins. That's true. And you know, distantly. in some cultures, we just go ahead and say it. We call people who are older than us auntie and uncle. Um, yeah. yeah, we're cousins. So... If your cousin had a podcast, you would probably leave him or her a positive review in iTunes because you want to be supportive. And we're like the kind cousins that you want to be associated with, not the creeper who's probably in jail. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we are those. And if you go to electioncollege.com slash iTunes or search us in itunes you're gonna find us and it's gonna be very easy for you it's gonna take about 89.3 seconds because you're gonna give a well thought out review about the podcast yeah and don't be afraid to go ahead and grab your spouse's phone or your kid's phone or your dad's phone or uncle bob's phone or whatever and leave us a review on their account as well we won't mind yeah because neither will they yeah because hey we're all family and that's how we roll around these parts. And if you want more filler in a podcast to talk about historic figures, just wait till the next episode when we talk about Mrs. Taylor. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you in a couple of days. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.